Welcome to Conversations with Quiet Leaders. My name is Juliet Morris. I believe there is greatness in leading and building teams through powerful listening, what's being said and what's being heard. In this podcast, you'll hear from quiet leaders who are being more bold, more brave and more comfortable with who they are. Delighted to welcome Emma Wallace to the podcast today. Emma is building a portfolio career as a business and brand consultant and advisor for startups in fashion. And it feels like, Emma, that that only sort of skims the surface on your experience and what you do. And things are changing all the time. Um, I'd love to hear more about that. So welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Give us an insight into a bit of your background and why you are building a portfolio career. Well, my background has always been like obsessed with fashion and all things to do with it. I think ever since I was young, like observing, observing what people do, what people wear. And I think I just loved the real complexity of it and how it touched everything we do. In a way, you can always revert things back to there's an element of what people wear, who people are, what's going on in the world, um, economic issues, social issues. There's all sorts of things tied up in fashion. So as someone who like loves to see everything and connect dots, like that's always been, yeah, it's been a great avenue to try and explore all those things. Um, so I've sort of worked in an, in the industry in a few different ways. And I sort of, I love the design side, but I found that, yeah, that connecting the dots and commercial piece was more for me. So I sort of had about eight, eight or so years working in slightly bigger companies or growing companies on the more sort of commercial side through sort of changes in career like the one thing that is tricky with the industry is that it's very fast changing and that means companies can be in and out of favor quite quickly and that can affect your career in many in many ways so various like restructures and changes in company have meant I've come had to sort of pivot my career in a few different ways and I found that actually working in one company especially in fashion is not really a very sustainable way to go because you end up potentially having quite a bit of a break and you're like itching to get into something and it can be quite mm. hard to find find things so I guess it was nine months ago now I was like now I really need to actually jump onto a portfolio career and have a go at that avenue and see what that takes because I want to get involved in those different things um, and small companies don't need a big team of full-time people so yeah, there's lots of there's lots of things I need doing and quite some some quite specialists and some quite generalists. So there's lots of opportunity, find interesting ways and help people grow their businesses, which is something I've always really liked doing. When we met, we talked a little bit about introversion and quiet leadership. And I'm really interested to see how this resonates with you and how this has shown up in your career, because you you I guess the perception is that fashion is quite noisy. It, you know, it can be quite in that fast-paced world. You have to really push yourself forward. So I'm intrigued about how you navigated that. It's an interesting one, and I think the perception, yeah, holds true in quite a lot of ways. You see, I guess some in some facets of of fashion, you see sort of the big genius creative um, designer or business person. And they have quite a strong personality that everyone just needs to work around and shuffle with. And I've found that that's actually only a small part of the sector. Um, so I've navigated actually towards more lifestyle products and brands. So sort of premium, sort of premium brands that's quite big, um, and sustainable based brands. And I found that that was quite different a lot of the time, not all the time. Um, but there's also 
there's everyone else to work with as well. That's just one element. There's the sort of finance team, the production team, e-commerce, data, finance, again, all different parts. And there's just a huge mix of people. So you need to be able to be really adaptable and work with everyone to be able to sort of pull things together because it's very, it's actually a really complicated supply chain. Um, turn this sort of, turn an idea into reality. But I had to do it my own way. Um, but the other way was just having, making those small observations and then trying to build one-on-one -on -one relationships to make things happen. So you have to build your network and it is very much a building a network kind of industry. And really, you've got to gel with people about mm. what your idea is. And Did you always want to go into fashion? Pretty much, I think so. I think I've definitely had elements of like, oh, I'd like to be in forensics or an archaeologist <laughs> or um, a dancer. That was one. That's my other sort of passion. There was sort of sports in general. I thought I was going to be a runner at one point um, or a gymnast, try different things. In the end, I actually combined it in my first sort of main job was in sports, sports fashion, sports apparel. So I, d I was able to combine that, those two interests. And where does that come from? Um, where does it come from? It's, I don't know. I think I've just, I latched onto it very early on. I, I remember I've got three sisters. So I think my mum would say like, I was always commenting on what they were wearing. But I think my mum would make clothes for me a little bit, was quite interested in textiles. Um, and it just, caught my eye just the visual the visual side and the sort of history of it as well you mentioned building your network and learning to sell an idea so let's talk about building a network because everyone talks about building your network how have you done that so I guess I have two avenues I've explored this way one was internally within <clears throat> within the company I was working at so I joined when I was 22 or 23 mm -hmm. And there, most of my twenties of that sort of development time. Um, so I learned a lot by experimenting in that environment of seeing meetings, not really telling my voice, and then getting feedback, which was the most valuable thing. How I could do it, um, and then I just started to. I was really curious about how how things worked and what, how to make things happen. And I a lot of had a lot of autonomy at the time as well. So. If I saw a problem of like, oh, this system isn't really working, like there could probably be a better way. I'll just go and talk to someone else and see how it's done. I actually feel that some of it comes down to my dyslexia and especially we're trying to build spreadsheets or look at numbers because I was in a numbers role. I wasn't always the most confident with some of it. So, but I was good at finding the person who was and identifying if someone was good at it and wanted to do something more listen to people see what and remember actually have really good long-term memory not short-term memory so I would pull those pieces together and try and be like ah if I talk to somebody else they know about that and I can connect them with it with someone in marketing and this might help get this project going so I think I was very considered about how I built myself with, within a company there so I was known for the person who would sort of get things done be nice, get yeah, get people on board, pull a meeting together. So I could build my profile within my company quite well. Um, and that's all helped me get some of my more senior promotions there. And then it's kind of things all changed because I then got took redundancy after a restructure. I was like, right, now it's time to explore. And then I found like, ah, I don't really have a network because I've not been nurturing that external side. So I had to sort of really learn how to start 
to start again. And I've done that twice now. And to get my next role, it, I was sort of wanted to pivot a bit um, into earlier stage company. And I was like, oh yeah, those roles aren't really advertised. So I really do need to go after after people who were in those companies or connected with those companies. And that was scary, really scary. Those sort of first steps were just going after people, really putting a really nice note as a connection, why I'm interested, a comment on what they've done. And it came from a really genuine place. So I'd always get called quite often get a follow-up and was able to then make a good connection and that would follow on. So was the first experience of really starting to build that, which was a challenge. I was like, oh, glad I'm in work now. Don't need to do that as much. But no, um, actually then going deciding to go for a more portfolio role, actually like, oh, I really, really need to do that. And I think I've come at it this time with more of a, I'm just going to be really curious and just see where things go, not have a plan of I need X job or at a certain level. I'm just going to follow where things are curious and where I can help and what's interesting. So that's how I've then been able to get multiple jobs now because I keep nurturing that kind of network like I did when I was working full time. Mm. I love that. I love I love that you come from a, a place of curiosity. And I'm I'm really intrigued because you you mentioned a few times there that you went in with curiosity to bit to make those connections. But how did you then use your curiosity to nurture those connections because I think they're two different skills I think they are and I've sort of more recently started to really build on that next one so how do you do the the sort of follow-up and partly it's I think I've now joined a couple of networks so I try to just nurture those now so whether it's going to events or meeting back with the same people sharing sharing things I've written I think part of it is trying to be a bit more vulnerable and share my story um yeah those networking calls where you sort of work as a group and help someone else out I think that's really important um and the next one some of them I just send a sort of follow-up of like oh I, especially if someone is making content send a follow-up saying oh I've seen that how is that going or another one is to try and remember and make connections with people so I, I've sort of t- tried to do that one a bit more, saying, oh, you're interested in this. I've met someone. Mm. Here's, an, here's someone else who could be interested. So, And you don't need to do that, I think, that often. I think some of them have been like three, six months apart. And it's actually not that long a time. So people still remember a lot. And you've used those because I've seen that you have now become a mentor so how how did that come about? Because for someone who, so for an introvert who may also be shy or highly sensitive or just, how do I, how do I start that? I really want to do that. How did you enable that connection? So the mentoring started when I was like, yes, I really want to start this portfolio career and I want to broaden my skills. I think I wasn't sort of getting some roles. I didn't want the other roles I was looking at because they were too much of what I'd done and I just didn't see as much future in, in those areas, especially in a potentially shrinking industry. I needed to learn new things. So I started thinking back, well, what did I like doing when I was in sort of especially bigger roles? And when I, one of that was really developing people and managing teams. And you miss that as a portfolio person where you might go in. And the other element of it was I wanted to 
see how I could apply my skills in my more narrow industry or sort of fashion product, making product into a couple of other areas to sort of give myself more confidence in what transferable skills I had. So it was a matter of like going into it with that mindset, those are things I wanted to work on and, and improve that I both enjoyed and wanted to test myself. And then it was a matter of finding places. And I thought, well, I'll start for doing it for free because I'll start doing what I free. If I do want to do something for no money, it's because I really want to do it. And mm. interested. so I'll start that way. So I found a couple of volunteer programs. So there was Be The Business. Um, I saw that on Women On Boards when I was looking for other things. And I was like, yes, that works. It was a good one to help me with like, oh, these are my pro- these are, this is my profile. These are my transferable things. And these, this is how I can help. And then I had a cut two or three people, mentees, and had some really good feedback on the first couple of first couple of times. I was like, oh yeah, that's good. And then I've been able to sort of one's led to another. And then I work with Impact Hub now a little bit, and then Enterprise Nation and sort of um yeah, meet lots of interesting people. And I don't know where it'll go. It's just really interesting. I, I love that that it is when you if it can be feel not isolated, but you miss the team interaction all the time when, you, when you've been doing it for such a long time. And mentorship is such a good way to do that. Because um, like you said, you meet some fascinating people, particularly in the world of entrepreneurship these days and, you know, all the change. It's wonderful. It's great. And a few of them do provide like more training as well. So mm. I feel like I'm gaining a lot more skills this mm. way and can test and apply as well. Mm. Fantastic. We've talked a little bit about the approach and how you found your voice, building those one-to-one connections. How do you think being an introvert has changed your approach to life and business? Um, I don't I don't know if it's changed my approach. I think one thing that's influenced that is sort of really learning about myself. So learning mm-hmm. I was introverted was probably a big part of that. I think I think I have been aware of it since I was quite quite young because I have an older sister who did management and she got me doing my Myers-Briggs when I was like 16 <laughs> yeah. or something. I don't know if it was true, but definitely the internet part of it was at the time and that stuck stuck with me. So I think a big element has been lots of keeping doing lots of self-development to understand myself um, mm-hmm. and then putting myself in new situations, whether that's been, yeah, through work, going for, going to try and present some ideas or being put on the spot, um, learning what I was comfortable with and what um, other people gave me feedback on. I think that's a massive part of development is getting feedback. Um, And then um, I guess one of the other parts, like big meetings would always be challenge because especially decisions were being made that it generally would be the loudest voice or the most senior voice that would get um, and I didn't always agree with that. So I would, uh, forming those relationships with people, then being able to say, go to someone or my boss or someone else saying, like, I don't agree with this. I think this one was missed. Or for next time, can we do things a little bit differently? Because X, Y, Z, um, trying to get my influence over over that way. And then building a reputation of like actually someone who knows what they're talking about, their predictions are right, get things in writing as much as possible those all sort of helped sort of navigate where I felt I maybe had weaknesses that aren't actually weaknesses it's just differences lots of learning and experimenting I think the other part that was important for and sort of good to be able to practice was on public speaking and that was 
that's a tricky one to do, but I think being able to present my ideas in this in my own way made a really did help, especially um in a creative field. And they're different to big meetings because you can prepare them ahead. You mm. don't necessarily get interrupted and you can own the direction of it. So there's a, a few things you mentioned. I think at the at the start of our conversation, you talked about um being able to see everything and connect the dots, which I think is a real strength of introverts. And then you build on that. So irrespective of whether you're introverted or extroverted or am, an ambivert, if you build your experience and you, you're self-developing along the way, the way you like to communicate and the way you like to interact, then you show that you can actually do the job. You know, that's what you really want to do and you're quite passionate about it. That's that's when you build it. So there's lots of themes there that run through there. And I think that's really important for for everyone who wants to explore a new avenue in their career. Definitely. And I think what people you're going to have to do it. I think I was definitely brought up with seeing my family in medical, um, in the medical world, where it's a very clear structure of like how do you move from one job to the next job? Mm. You get your training and you get your qualifications and you move on. That's sort of the world I saw, and that was their world. They saw like, oh, they were terrified of me going into fashion because that's so unknown. But what is the path? There isn't a path. You have to make your own path. And that's those that type of work is going to be more common um, as the world moves fast. We get technology. Um, so you, even though it's not a natural thing for a lot of people to learn, like it's absolutely vital. Mm-hmm. So I definitely feel like advocating for it is sort of, and pushing myself now is like, an important thing to do yeah agreed agreed so you talked earlier about the future of fashion and uh, you gave a little whisper of um, sustainability so as an advisor to that industry and having worked in a long time where do you see the future of that going there's so many ways one avenue i'm looking at which is much more long term is like the influence of I guess it's well it's, it's the web three world it's the metaverse and those new technologies like blockchain um and the sort of more ownership that web three will allow people which is fascinating because it can explore like how much do we need to make physical product or how do you own digital identities and yeah that whole i didn't i did digital identity is really interesting so there are a couple of products i'm looking at or exploring a bit more at the moment in that area the other significant one for me is like reducing consumption, but how do you keep making and pro- progressing ideas? So looking at other business models, so whether it's rental or um, reselling, there's significant areas to explore at the moment. Um, and material innovation is always fascinating to see. And I so I hope people will still be really creative with that kind of innovation. Um, I find it is a tricky one because we need to reduce our consumption, but at the same time, we do still need to make things. It's a big, it's a big part of people's identity, and I hope we find ways that we can keep people exploring. That we don't have to have such a massive linear impact on the planet. Is there is there anyone thinking about how you recycle the clothes? If things are being made, that they can the industry can take them back and recycle and reuse, and then outcomes new ideas there's there's lots of it going on um it's still such a hard area because 
yeah, it's all textiles and a lot of chemistry involved, a lot of logistics. Um, how do you get textiles from people's closets? There's different qualities, different colours. Um, most things are blended, which makes it actually really mm. hard to recycle. So you do see a lot of more in terms of brands. There's a lots of, especially young de- younger designers doing like upcycling and sourcing excess. Um, so that's that's one big part. There's a few that are looking at really big and they're more sort of production companies so really looking at how do you take old textiles and turn it into new that you can then sell on to people so it's yeah it's just a very complicated one i think it sounds a lot more straightforward than it actually is isn't it i was um i've been fascinated by uh, people over the last couple of years who are you know taking like leather leather goods so everything from fire hoses or you know rubber goods like tires and all those and making them into fashion and I can't remember who it is but I've started following someone who recycles trainers so makes new trainers out of old trainers and that's just genius isn't it absolutely genius so yeah there's lots of it going on and it'll be wonderful to see that yeah it's it's fascinating it's great for lots of small experiments at the moment there's mm. it's been really hard to find anything that's scalable at the moment so it's um yeah just with the nature of sort of fragmented stock and things that like you can't create one idea and just easily re- easily say like oh let's make a thousand of them and they will be similar from the same materials it just won't work no like yet <laughs> so it's uh yeah, there's still a long way to go with, um, yeah, sustainability and fashion. But I think bit by bit, we'll get there. So what, what's your interest in the, the fashion space? Because you, you were talking about being a, a startup advisor for that. So where do you play a part in that? So I'm doing a few things at the moment. So one of them is the mentoring piece. Um, so I'm working with a couple of early founders on partly on validating their idea at, um they're new into fashion. They've got more of a tech background. So just opening the, like the doors on who, who does what, how does it work a bit? And then I'm working with another designer actually based in Canada who's, um, mm-hmm. got a strong sort of upcycling, um, material innovation piece, but, um, helping her more with the commercial, commercial side. So pieces on looking at funding options. How do we sell looking at production? options how do you price the garments and the and the brand piece like trying they're really early so trying to find that sort of product market fit to really understand the customer um they're all sort of yeah there are a couple of just a couple of things doing mm. in that, that space mm. so yeah lots of uh lots of lots of research lots of looking at opportunities as well so mm. is there a big leap from you know, somebody, you know, one person who's creating some products or some ideas in their house, for example, to then going into the large production sort of corporate world, if you like, you know, the, the big fashion giants. Um, There's all the same problems you still need to resolve at first mm. going on. And that's that main one is really understanding your customer and what do they need and what's your point of difference. So and that's kind of the same everywhere i feel um yeah you just need to have a good sense and keep working on and trying to push your customer on like what's what are they going to love before they know it um the other parts like finance and the sort of the money the, the things that do get really complicated are just how do you deal with stock 
hand the lead times and production and that's when you need to sort of really start building a team what but you don't need to do that until you are sort of at a certain scale and then it mostly becomes a sort of logistics operation to get Mm. things going um just because yeah the timelines of what people want and when people need it what's the weather going to affect sales um it's not yeah it's that's the complicated bit the yeah the brand you can build a the amazing thing about fashion is you can build a really great, strong brand that gets attention at a really, really small level. You never quite know who's going to do that, where it's going to come from next. But I think that's, to me, that's just the power of creativity mm. and just being able to spot that opportunity that people love and to have a new take on it. So for someone who is perhaps pivoting or interested in uh creating something they've got a great idea in the fashion space or creative space, but are also an introvert and a bit stuck to where, what to do next. What would you advise? Contact you. Uh, <laughs> Contact you. Up to me, I think some of it is just putting it out there. Um, so that has been great for like social media. You can, I think TikTok, mm. I've seen quite a few people like, have a great idea have a good way of talking about it that's different I think because there's so there's so much out there there is just a lot finding your own finding your tribe and finding um your point of view is it's not easy it looks very easy but it's um it's there's a bit of luck in it as well I feel um and then I guess it's yeah to me it's mostly talking about talking to your customers in whatever way you can and feel comfortable with so getting yourself out there being on social media going to markets going talking to your friends showing ideas um anything like that really will get you a bit closer and it's a long journey as well sometimes you can have a quick overnight success if you've got something unusual but that's really unusual so being prepared to be in it for the long term Mm, yes yeah absolutely so what's your big dream for the future emma that's a really tricky question. Um, I'm not really sure. Uh, to me, I feel like I just want to keep following sort of my curiosity and being able to solve work on solving problems. So my hope is us in that work and that fashion sense is that we can still, well, hopefully that fashion can just return to being all about the creativity and we don't need to worry about this, the impact that mm. our clothes are having on the world mm. and we can just keep using it as that creative expression piece um to explore our identities and find people who like us and stuff like that so i can't wait for it to solve those problems and then we can just return to being inspired and looking at beautiful things that would be lovely no impact of our, of our textiles on the world yeah so that would be lovely damage. yeah I, I don't know. Is that possible? Do you think? I mean, I don't know how far out that is. I know we keep talking about it, but um, mm. like it kind of it is, but it would be quite a fundamental shift. I mean, you still need to produce things, and that has a degree of impact. But actually, there are ways of farming. There are ways of growing products um, and recycling. We have so much textiles in the world. If we can just keep reusing what we have, like we'll be going for a long time. Is it is this about educating the, the end buyer? So, you know, everyday people who are 
who make a choice on where they buy things. And I know cost is often, and the latest trends are, you know, have an impact, but uh, helping the buyer understand what impact they're having. Absolutely. Yes, it's, that's the biggest education piece and just people valuing the clothes and just what's going into it, like partly on educating well, how much, what work, what has gone and what's the bigger price being paid for a five pound top? Mm. Because it doesn't, if you're paying minimum wage here, it would be 30 pounds just on labor for that piece. So there's a big education gap on like what's the cost, true cost bin. And trying to get people to see things that they should last longer, but you don't necessarily have to hold on to them either. So buying better, buying less, um, moving pieces on, being okay with buying secondhand. Um, they're all big education pieces that um, need to happen, really. It's really good. I think buying secondhand, good quality secondhand goods, and they're starting to appear now. What's the number one thing that you would encourage quieter leaders, introverts who want to, whether it's to build a portfolio career or go into fashion or what what would you, what tips would you give them? My sort of top three tips. One, I think it's fundamental for introverts is identify and protect those quiet times that you need to recharge. I think if you can't, you need to look after yourself to be able to have, like help other people and, you know, in those ways and be the extrovert at times. My second one is really then finding your own way to show the sort of deep thinking that you have. So those pieces we talked about, so whether you like trying to avoid being put on the spot on meetings, writing ahead, preparing, sending follow-ups, all those, those smaller actions that add up. And then third one is if, I guess, you can find your tribe of people who value that. So if you feel like you're not being valued for those things, find a way to move, move on and, um, yeah, you can find your tribe who will value those things. There are lots of different ways that you can have, build your network in any way you like. Um, but yeah, you don't have to be stuck in one form of working. So, Yeah, really important. Really important. Great tips. Thank you so much, Emma. It was a great conversation, um, particularly about the, the future of fashion. I love that. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. No, I could uh, talk on it for hours. But... <laughs> All right, it's been a lovely afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I love to talk and work with people and businesses who want to achieve more. I challenge their thoughts to create possibility. Anyone can be part of the conversation. Leave me a message, ask a question and connect with me. 